Hey everyone, welcome to the second episode of the I Just Teach Here podcast with Jess and Sabria. This is a podcast where you get a snippet into our lives and thoughts as educators where we don't make the rules, we just teach here. We've got a spicy one today. Got a lot of tea to talk about. Sabria? So today we're talking about remote learning, in-person learning, and everything that went down in the 2020 to 2022 range. We'll also talk about what's currently going on today in schools, and we are going to start today's episode all the way back to the beginning of the oh, pandemic. Don't bring me back. We're going back. Did you want to share that quote that you felt best summed up how teachers felt at that time? I feel like 2020, even though it was difficult and hard, it was the first time teachers felt seen, felt appreciated. And Shonda Rhimes really just summed it up for us here um, on March 16, 2020. And she said, been homeschooling a six-year-old and an eight-year-old for one hour and 11 minutes. Teachers deserve to make a billion dollars a year or a week. We definitely did. I definitely got a lot of thank yous. Thank you for all the hard work you do. I mean, on a daily basis. So I definitely felt appreciated at that time. So why don't you bring us back to March, 2020 and your experience as a teacher? Well, <laughs> once we found out that the kids were remote, all the staff had to um, stay and be in person for one more week to kind of gather all of our stuff, make sure everything was ready and make sure that we were prepared to go remote. So that meant that for all the teachers, we had to switch all of our plans, all of our lessons, all things that we had on paper, and we had to make it digital for online assignments. We had to put everything onto the Google Classroom platform. Did you which, just say the Google Classroom? Yes, Google, <laughs> the, the Google Classroom oh, okay. mm -hmm. platform. We had to put it on Google Classroom which a lot of elementary school teachers did not use. Um, we had to contact all of the parents, all of them, to get them online and get them ready for their child to start learning online. We also had to make emergency plans for our special education students, um, which was like an extra thing that you and I had to do together um, to create a new plan for our kids for when they were remote and at home. Whoa. It was like a wild week. We were all running in and out of each other's classrooms, trying to figure it all out. So after that week, we went remote. And what were the expectations um, for a speech therapist during that time? When you got, oh, when you went alone, <laughs> I think I already asked it. So it's good. I'm good. Keep going. <laughs> Getting in contact with the parents was definitely first and foremost. And it was one of the most difficult tasks we had to do trying to email, call, call, find home phone numbers, other families, phone numbers. That was, um, that was definitely difficult to coordinate and you had to do it for each individual student. So after then getting in touch with parents, we had to try and coordinate schedules. Now, this was an interesting thing because instead of coordinating with a teacher for in-school hours, I'm coordinating nap times with the parents. I'm coordinating with their jobs. I had a special request to see the kid for speech at six o'clock at night when the parent got home from work. It was just a very interesting time. And I think parents believe that teachers schedules were very fluid in that way, which was interesting. Um, troubleshooting was another oh, big issue. That was the worst. 
uh, trying to figure out internet connection issues and, and how to get on Wi-Fi, how to log in. I don't remember my password. And then by the time you're finished doing all of that with the parents, the 30 minute session is virtually over and they want so to reschedule spent half of your set, most of your sessions in the beginning, really meeting with the parents. And mind you, I feel like yes. a lot of the parents not only couldn't get online, they couldn't figure out Wi-Fi. Some of them didn't speak English. Some of the, oh my gosh, it was such a mess. I feel like it was a mess. And for some reason at that time, I couldn't help but feel like it was my fault, even though this had nothing to do with me. But when I couldn't get a kid on time, or if I couldn't help a parent log on and they would request another time, I felt obligated to then try and see them at another time. Um, even though I had really given them the 30 minute session essentially. So that was tough. In addition to that, right after that first week, like immediately we were expected to run our full speech schedules. So I was expected to run my eight 30 minute sessions every single day right away. So that was very difficult very interesting. It was definitely trying. And like I said before, I spent most of those first couple of weeks troubleshooting issues that parents had, um, logging on. Were you required to have the same amount of FaceTime that you had, um, with the kids back in school? I mean, we all had those troubleshooting issues and whatnot. I was, um, meeting with a lot of parents, but we, our requirements for being online with all of the kids was substantially less. It was probably like, I want to say between one to two hours per day. If even that, I didn't even realize that speech thought like related services had to meet for a full day. I feel like that is literally crazy, um, <laughs> especially the first week right after. Um, but like for us, we spent a lot of those first couple months really troubleshooting, getting the parents to help log their child on, getting the child acclimated to online learning. And in the beginning, we didn't really have a good platform. We didn't have Google Meets like we did now. We were like on Teams. Sometimes it was Zoom. Sometimes it was this. There were privacy issues here. So everyone was trying to figure it out at the same exact time. Also, like Sabrina and I, we're, we're pretty good at technology. So I feel like for me, it was easy to figure out and navigate different online platforms, figuring out different, you know, programs, but I had three powers. And for those of you that don't know, like powers are people that help individual students or a class. Um, they're essentially my aides that help me in the classroom. Um, some of them did not know how to navigate technology, like at all. Honestly, like I love my parents so much, but they could not navigate. And like one power was like, I, I don't know how to get on. Another power didn't have the correct device. One power, her screen was green. And like, I would spend hours trying to train my paras and these paras, like they didn't get training. So it was really up to me if I could help them to help me, you know? So that was really tricky as well. Um, and I feel like for the most part, besides us being on for those one, two hours, I was spending my time talking to parents, figuring things out. And most of it was creating lessons, filming them for the kids to rewatch on their own time and um, making all of my lessons digital. And honestly, it seems easy. Like, when you put the assignment on, but it would take hours for me to create one lesson, which seems silly because 
if I were to be doing it in person, it would take one second, but having to create all this stuff digitally took so much time. And then you had to make sure that it was correct, that when the kids got it, they knew how to navigate it. And it was just like a whole ordeal. So yeah, it was, I feel like 2020 was just, we were all in high anxiety and it was just, everything was a mess. No one knew what they were doing. And we were just trying to kind of get along and do what we had to do. So now shifting into the next year, we finished off our 2020. We're moving into the 2020 to 2021 school year. Um, There was a big push to get kids back into school, to get everything back to normal. Um, So we first started off our school year for the first couple of weeks remotely, just to kind of get everything online, get everything running. And then we moved into what we call the hybrid model. So that meant that if you wanted to choose to be remote, you could. And then for those that wanted to be in person, they were split into different cohorts. So you could be group A, group B, or group C. Every school kind of adopted a different model. Um, But for our school, our kids that want to be in person went twice a week in person and then the rest were remote. And those were two different groups of twice in person and yes. a group and so a B like, group. Yeah. Now I know that especially for speech path, like scheduling is already awful. So how did something like a hybrid model impact you? Oh, it was amazing. I have nothing to say about it. Of, of course. <laughs> I'm sure it was. Well, so having, so we had an A, a group and a B group, and then we had a C we had day a- that the A or B group switched on and off for every other week. So my schedule was a three week schedule. I had three different, a week, one week, two, and week three that I had to change Sounds every three fun. weeks. It was awesome. It was super easy to do. Coordinating with parents and teachers was super easy. Um, no, it was, it was incredibly difficult. The in-person teachers, I think were, were easier to schedule with because they had the kids in person all day. But then when I switched over to the remote teachers, that was a little bit more difficult. Their schedules were a bit more finite. They weren't really willing to budge. And I kind of only was able to see kids past a certain hour, depending on their schedule. So that was difficult. And then when you add in parents who have other siblings or jobs or nap times that they want to schedule in that it makes it incredibly difficult. I was met with a lot of my child doesn't wake up that early. And I, you know, school starts at eight o'clock when, when school started, they were able to wake up. (laughs) Right. So, so that was difficult. That was incredibly difficult. I had maybe two parents who would work with me on that eight o'clock time. Um, we were also contending with COVID protocols at that time. So in addition to having hybrid kids in school, some days out of school, other days, if they were a close contact, they then, they then had to quarantine for what, 10 days or something like mm-hmm. that. And then Actually, they were I think remote. Then it was 14. Was it 14? I feel like it started off as 14. So they know. had to quarantine. And so that was a nightmare in itself. Cause then they're on a remote schedule now, which completely changes and obviously doesn't go with my current schedule that I have. And again, I'm on a three week schedule. So you can imagine how amazing and easy and smooth that ride was with scheduling. I won't harp it anymore. Obviously seeing my kids in person was amazing, um, to have them back at school, but you know, we were still following different protocols, like maintaining, however many feet it was at that time. Was it six? Was it 12? I have no idea. Six. So maintaining a six foot distance. Can you imagine that with speech therapy? It's, 
incredibly difficult to and do. And then with our vision and be like, what, what did you say? I know. And, and then I can't like see on top of it. So I'm like, put your book down and then go back and I'll read it and then I'll send it back to you. So, um, it was definitely, it was definitely a challenging time, but I will say it was so nice to have the kids back in school. Those families who chose to keep them at home, it was awesome. They were used to the routine and some of the kids, I have to say, they really thrive on hybrid learning. Some of the kids really genuinely did, um, which was awesome too. And I think those parents who saw their kids thrive chose to keep their kids at home. And those parents whose kids were struggling more chose to send them back. So it kind of worked out. I kind of had a nice, Mm -hmm. I had a nice blend of kids who were home and in school. So at that time I was in school three days a week, I think. And then home two days a week because I had 50% of my caseload choose to stay home. What was interesting at that time also is that even though some of my kids were in person, parents actually opted to have their speech sessions remote. So on their days that they weren't in school, that's when they wanted their speech sessions because everyone was just trying to limit exposure to as many people as possible to try and keep their kids in school longer. So for me, it was, it was a a kind of a nice little blend of pros and cons that really went with it. What were the pros and cons of the hybrid model for you in the classroom? I see what people were doing with the hybrid model. I do. I see it. I think it was great when it came to protocols because class sizes were half the sizes that they usually are. So you're able to really socially distance yourself. You are able to really feel safer. Um, in that environment. However, it was, I feel like a hybrid model just isn't good for kids. I feel like without the kit consistency of having the same routine every single day, it was very hard for them to learn the way they usually learn. It, it was hard for them to be successful being at home, being in school, and then constantly switching back and forth, having to be an maybe a notebook, maybe it was online. It was just very hard for the kids to adapt to so many different environments. Also during that shift, I feel like the media also shifted along with it. I think when everyone was home, you know, teachers were rock stars, but then once they had that glimmer of hope of teachers going back into schools, like we'd, I didn't make up this hybrid model, but all of a sudden it was, oh, teachers are so lazy. Why, why don't they want to go back full-time? Why do they keep fighting to want to be home? Why are they, why am I not getting paid for the three days that I have to teach them at home instead? Yeah. And let me say related services were clumped in with y'all, even though we were running all of our eight minute I mean, our eight 30 minute sessions all day long, but we were lazy. I was literally like, I'm exhausted. (laughs) I know. I feel like I was working around the clock. I was dreaming about lesson plans. It was more of a nightmare, but you know, (laughs) I was thinking about it all day and all night. It's annoying. (laughs) Well, and because of the big push to get us all back in January, we did eventually go back in person and it ended up being everyone that wanted to be in person was full-time in person and everyone that wanted to be remote would be full-time remote. So how did you guys feel about potentially having to have all of your students back in school? I think we felt like most teachers, I think we, it was met with a little trepidation, a little nervous having kids in close proximity to you. I love my kids, but I think I remember at that time feeling a bit scared to have all of them back in person. Um, 
again, like I mentioned, the COVID protocols at the time were that if I was a close contact, I was out. (laughs) So being exposed to, you know, potentially 10 different classrooms in one day, it's tough. I was, I was hit quite a bit during that year because I was exposed to a lot of kids who were close contacts and so on and so forth. So thankfully those protocols are, are, they're a lot looser now, but yeah, at that time, I mean, at any given day you could walk in and there's like five classes in there. So it's just, I mean, I'm, I'm exaggerating, but yes, a lot of people can be quarantined at once. If classes are exposed to me, exposed to an art teacher, anybody who sees a lot of classes within a day. You know, what's funny. I feel like I'm learning a lot about your 2020 and 2021 year. Cause I feel like you and I are so used to being in the same class at all times that I know, I know everything about you, but I feel I like those two years, I really, we really didn't touch base a lot. And I feel like after it happened, we never talked about it with each other. It was just kind of like that thing that we don't talk about. It's in the past. I know. I know (laughs) it is. How is that shift for you with, with more kids coming in full time? I don't want to talk about it. (laughs) Honestly, though, it was the most awful year I could have possibly ever had. It was terrible. I like how you're saying Um, it with a smile. It's like laugh at my pain kind of thing. It's it's literally, I, I feel like I block it out because it was literally the most awful year it was to the point where coming back to school this school year, I cried for almost a week. And my husband was oh. like, listen, if you want to do something else with your life, I support it, whatever you want to do. You know, it was, I feel like I still have PTSD from this past year. And it was, you know, I think for most people, it was in our school, it was you're in person and you had your in person class, or you were remote and you had your remote class. But because, I was a special case. I had to do both of them. So I had, I half feel of like my they classes. shouldn't name you special case. I should feel like they should name you like worst case scenario. <laughs> and they call it special case, Literally. but is it, is it a special it was case? not special at all. I was, because I was a special case, half of my class was remote and the other half was in person. And I had to kind of adopt this new mode, which was live streaming and teaching both of them at the same time. So in addition to teaching them in person and online at the same time, I still had to create all of my digital content and I was still recording a lot of my lessons. So it was, I had a full day at school and then I went home and I still had to do my full day of, you know, creating all these plans. And I was literally working 24 seven. I didn't breathe. And I was literally, I think I probably said literally like 900 (laughs) times, you'll probably have to edit them out. But I literally was, I was just trying to survive. Honestly, it was probably worse. Yes. Tell me, if you could paint a picture of what your classroom looked like as a special case, was it like little children's faces on iPads, like all around the the classroom, like as if they were sitting there with you? Yes. So all of my students that were in school had an iPad in front of them. And thankfully I had my paras in school as well. So they were kind of walking around helping them. I was teaching, um, like sideways onto the screen with all of my other kids as I'm navigating the other kids. And then, you know, we all had to practice like muting at the right time, unmuting. And then I'd be like yelling at them this way, like (laughs) to the right, as I'm looking at them, talking to them here and trying to demonstrate things. And it was like such a, oh my gosh, you know what I just remembered? 
I, I think I must've blocked it out. I remember running social skills with the children on the iPad and like standing in front of one of the kids' iPads and I could hear a little voice, but I forgot he was in the iPad. He was like, you're in the way. (laughs) Oh my gosh, you're on the iPad. Sorry. Yeah, that was was life. And I feel like the worst part for me in that year was that I feel like if I were to do it in person, I could, could have been so successful. If I did it just remotely, I also could have been so successful, but because I had to do both, I felt so, so incompetent. Like I just couldn't do it all because I was doing the job of multiple people. You know Um, what I remember you could do? was you could force me to take lunch at nine 15 in the morning with you because that was our only time together. Oh my gosh. So yeah. So the preps basically like art, um, what is it? Art gym, all of those things, all of those things were inside of the classroom and that ended up being the teacher's lunchtime. So half of the time, my lunch was at nine 15. So I'm like, Sabria, change your schedule. <laughs> you were eating lunch with me at 9.15. That was brutal. Nothing, nothing was open. We ate coffee and croissants for lunch every day. It was, I think that's what we're running off of. Coffee, coffee and croissants. Croissants and fresh air. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. But in addition to that, the kids couldn't eat lunch in the lunchroom because obviously socially distanced, like you can't. Um, so they ended up eating in the classroom and it was a teaching period. So I had to teach while they were eating. And it was funny because, well, it wasn't funny at all, but somebody was like, well, how is that going to keep the, the teachers safe if they're eating and their mouths are all like open and eating and talking And I don't know who said it, somebody high up said, well, the solution here is that the kids will face forward to eat and the teacher can teach behind them. Mm -hmm. I was like, thank you so much for making me feel so incredibly safe. Science is cool. Yeah. Thank you. (sighs) So I want to delete that out of my mind and not even think about that. So let's talk about this present year. So tell us, Sabria, what does this year look like? This year we are full-time in person and it's great. It's good. Um, but remember last year we were like, what a half capacity. So obviously the kids were, were remote. So obviously COVID restrictions had to be softened a bit. Um, returning back, the distance was made smaller. I believe kids could now sit somewhat near each other. I think it was three feet now. Yeah. Kids, kids are eating in the lunchroom, mm-hmm. not like kind of distanced, I guess. Um, Basically they threw all the restrictions out the window. <laughs> well, yeah. The open window that you have to keep open actually. Yeah. We have around. open windows. We have these uh, air purifier things. Very fancy. It seems like remote learning is a thing of the past apparently. Yeah, it really is. I'm so salty. I'm still thinking about that snow day a couple weeks ago when it was so snowy and we had to go to school. They didn't even call a remote day. My husband had to drive me in. It was awful and so snowy. So many teachers got into accidents and they didn't call a remote day. And guess what the attendance was? Because I was obsessed with looking up the the attendance. I can't believe you looked um, this up. I did. The student attendance of our whole entire city was 44.52%, less than half of the kids went to school. We could have had such a successful 
remote day. I could have had 100% attendance, except now we didn't. Mm -mm. Mm -mm. I mean, I thought we might have a remote option. I thought that they alluded to that at some point, but I guess not. What is your take on why you no, think? No, of course not. You want to know why? Now I feel salty and spicy. I feel like the delicious chicken I'm about to eat in a little bit, but <laughs> it's because the education system runs this society without teachers being in, nobody's there to watch their children. And then how can people go to work if their children aren't being watched? So the first thing that people need to do is get kids in school. Teachers have to be there. Everything depends on it. So Things aren't closing. We're always going to run as normal. But if you're looking at this, 44.52%. Does that make sense to anybody? No, no. I rest my case. It seems like you are hot and bothered. So if you could have an ideal situation, what would it be? I mean, okay. So it's not like an ideal situation, like, oh, we can have this amount of kids or whatever. But I think that Nicholas Veroni, and I'm going to pull up a tweet here that I have. You said are the best. ready. Is, I, am, are I am hot and ready. Researched and ready <laughs> today. He is a new, I believe a New Jersey teacher and he's like all over social media. And he said, we just need to know that people are invested in us and our schools as much as we are invested in our students. We as teachers pour everything into these kids. Those years, especially I feel like people have seen, well, or maybe they haven't, but we worked around the clock to service our kids. And when I felt like these kids weren't getting the best, I was, all I did was think about how I can help them become even more successful. And I just feel like all teachers want are people to care about them, people to care about them as people to care about us as people care about our safety, just respect us. I feel like, you know, when we think about this past school year, did I feel safe? I'm not sure. I'm not sure. I did what I had to do, but did I feel safe? I don't know because where they were testing in schools, but they weren't really testing the teachers. There was a very teeny tiny percentage of teachers that got tested, but I would have felt better if I got tested every week, but that wasn't really an option. I want to talk about the situation room. The situation room is the place you call where they kind of like contact everyone that's a close contact and whatnot. When Omicron was like sky high and like everyone was like freaking out over it, the situation room, oh, of course, was backed up. You didn't find out that you were a close contact until weeks later. How many people could I have possibly infected? How many people could have possibly infected me? I don't know. It was a lot. Okay. Let me tell you and something. Then- if you don't live in the district that you work in or in the city that you work in, if you live outside oh God, of it, like let me tell you different- something. They call you and then they find out where you live and they're like, you're not, Oops. you don't live in the right Different place. jurisdiction. Somebody else has got to call you and they would call you days later. I'm like, okay, sure. I guess I'll find out my fate in a couple of days. <laughs> and also like, I just wish that, you know, and I get it that this is the whole thing is evolving as we're going. However, I feel like everything is just in the public eye thrown out there and people are finding out information before I am. Like, I wish that, you know, they thought about it more thoroughly. They cared about the people that are closest to these kids. And they kind of worked it out with the people that are working with the kids before they start to just 
spew out all these new mandates and all these new things that are happening. It's just, it's just this no care for people working with the kids that just makes this job really hard for us. I agree. A little compassion definitely goes a long way, especially in this situation. We wanted this episode to shed light on the experiences we've had for the past three years. And we are all looking forward to the day where everything feels like it's back to normal. We could see our students gap to smiles that they keep telling me about, but I can't see. For all the teachers who are listening out there, just know that you're not alone. You are so, so appreciated by these kids and these families, even if they don't say it. And by us, we and see all that you do. We do. We see it. We feel it. We feel what you feel. We know it. And we know it. And for all of the parents, administrators, or just anybody else tuning in, we hope that it's mom and aunt and dog, mom, mom, my dog. We hope you look at teachers a little bit differently moving forward uh, this school year and show them a little love, y'all. They've been through a lot. Appreciate your teachers. We hope you will tune in to next week's episode, which is a day day in the life of the chair. Are we on or are we way off of that? I think it was probably really off. That's why I stopped a little bit. I was hesitant. I hope you guys enjoy that. Let us know in the comments. It was bad. <laughs> uh, where you get an inside look at what your teacher really does in a day. So I know. I'm actually very curious to know what everyone thinks. So I want you guys to think right now, this second. You have one week to think about this, unless you're not watching this on Wednesday and later because it'll come on Wednesday. But I want you to think, what do you think your teacher or your child teacher, whoever a teacher does in a day, what a speech language pathologist doesn't a day. Do you know what that is? Hmm? I bet you don't, but that's okay. Thank you guys so much for watching and we'll see you next week. Bye. Bye.